she just had this unwavering faith that some miracle was going to happen. Right. And he was like, just pray with me that a miracle happens. And I had already come to this place where I was like, I can't. I have to accept the fact that we're going to lose the baby. And now I have to fight for me. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Yet We Thrive podcast. We're your hosts, Jessica and Lindsay. Even though we are all part of this club that we never intended to sign up for, we're so glad you're here. We are a community for women who have lost babies or have struggled to get pregnant. And we're here to help you thrive, even in the midst of these impossible circumstances. So join us as we show you practical and sometimes unconventional ways every week for how to thrive in this one crazy life. Well, welcome back, friends. We are so excited that you're here, and I'm excited just uh, to be able to uh, talk to Lindsay today and hear her story, and um, yeah, so we're just going to dive right into it. So welcome, Lindsay. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, we I have four babies, or size, they're eight to nine and under, and I love them. They're the light of my life, and um, we have lost three boys all in my second trimester, mm. which is really crushing yes. to think about. <laughs> I could already tell that I'm going to be really emotional this time, so <laughs> got, bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it started, I, my husband and I, we got married in 2007, and I know you said you guys were babies, but we were like actual, we had right. just started walking babies. <laughs> I was 19, and he was 20. We had met at youth group, and it was love at first sight for him. Um, for him. <laughs> I thought he was cute, but he had, like, bad boy vibes, and that wasn't my thing. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but then he turned around, and, you know, and yeah. we got married a few years later, and that was that. But <laughs> we were married for three years before we decided to get pregnant. Um, and I, he was honestly the one that was pushing to get pregnant. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready yet, but I have endometriosis, which is a woman disease and it can affect your fertility. So I, mm. I wasn't sure. Um, I wasn't specifically told that it would be hard for me to get right. pregnant, um, or that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant, but we were told that it might take longer than normal. Mm. And, but we wouldn't really know until we started to try and if we ran into trouble, then, then we would address them as they came. So we had just moved into our house. It was just a fixer-upper. It was unlivable. So we were fixing it up. And in the middle of it, I started to feel really sick. And um, thought that I was pregnant. And I got a negative test. And I was oh, really wow. disappointed. And I was like, this is it. It's going to take me forever to get pregnant. This is how it's going to be. Um, and then the next month, I had a positive pregnancy test. So... I was like, okay, well, I, at least I know I can get pregnant. That was scary. Um, and that was our that was our first. That was Lane. She's the, our nine-year-old. It was amazing. I loved being a mom. Um, it took me about a month to get to that point where I started loving being a mom. But once I got to it, I was like, this is amazing. I love being a mom. I can't believe I ever fought this. Like, I just, I love this. This mm. is so much fun. And... My brother and I are 13 months apart, and we were best friends growing up. We just, and we're still close, but we don't see each other as much anymore. Yeah. But I just loved having a sibling so close in age. And I know it was hard on my mom, but I wanted that so badly for my first two kids. Mm -hmm. And 
I thought it just it would be so much fun to have two kids that are 13 months apart and it would be so fun and so we started trying to get pregnant really soon after I had had Lane and I always wanted an October baby so we were trying to get you know make it happen so right. that I would have an October baby so again I thought I was pregnant pregnancy test was negative and I was bummed but I was like well maybe I'm just holding out like Maybe I will get this October baby that I've been praying for. And so the next month comes around and it was positive. And I was just elated. I was like, thank you, Lord, that it was negative last month and that I was positive this month. I can have it. Like, I yeah. was planning the birthday party. Right. It was going to be a pumpkin You had it all theme. set out. Yes. And, it was, and I, I was on worship team at church that morning singing. And I just remember going to church and just feeling like, so filled with joy, mm-hmm. just so excited that I was going to have two babies really close together that we're going to get to grow up together and be best friends. And bonus that it was going to be in October because October is my favorite month of the year. Yeah. So I was just so elated and so excited. And I just thought like, man, God is really just answering my prayers. and He is just giving me the desires of my heart. And I'm so excited. Well, it didn't take very long for that feeling to start to diminish because I started feeling so sick mm-hmm. and I just, I was all about it though. I just thought like, I was so happy. I was on cloud nine. I was like, it's fine. This is just part of it. This is just part of being pregnant is having morning sickness. It just means that I'm going to have a happy, healthy baby. And I don't even care. I'll throw up a thousand times a day mm-hmm. just so long as I get to have this baby. Right. And then I started to get this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach that something was wrong mm. and with the baby. And I just, more and more moment by moment, I just thought, I don't think I'm going to take this baby home. I don't think this baby's going to make it. And we were in between insurance at the time. So we paid for our first ultrasound and we had the pictures, everything looked fine. And I was like, okay, great. I was just panicked. I was just Mm -hmm. freaking out. I was just coming up with things in my head. This baby is fine, but that it didn't settle. It didn't settle my fears. I just, still felt like something was really, really wrong. Mm-hmm. And every time we would drive past the doctor's office, I would just like grab onto Blake's arm and just be like, I just feel like something is off. Yeah. And he's like, he just was like, it's probably your hormones. It's pro- Everything is probably fine. And I just, I just couldn't take this feeling. And there was even a moment on, I was on my living room floor playing with Lane and my mom was over and we were talking about bringing the second baby home. And she was like, I just can't imagine, like, joy personified times two. Like, Lane fills me with so much joy. I cannot imagine right. being filled this much again with another baby when we bring this baby home. And I almost said, if we bring this baby home. Mm, wow. But I was, I, I know my mom, and she would have been like, I need to take you to see somebody right right now because you're losing your mind. Right. And it would have just worried her and Mm -hmm. made her panicky. And I had nothing to base that that, that feeling on. And I I didn't say it, but I just remember that was the moment that I finally admitted to myself Mm -hmm. that I'm not, this baby isn't making it. So I started to get really sick, like even more sick. And every time I would look in the mirror, I would tell myself like you look like death not even like and I would even like go as far as say like not even death warmed over you don't even look like warm you just look like death 
And I just was like, thank goodness for makeup because I couldn't put some color on my face <laughs> and make it look like I'm fine. Yeah. But I just was, I was barely making it. I was so sick and so tired. And there, I don't, I don't throw up very easily. I control it really mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, so I have chronic migraines, or I used to, and it would, they would always make me nauseous. And I learned how to control it because vomiting with a migraine is like the worst feeling ever. Mm. So I just learned how to control it. So I wasn't vomiting, but there was one time in the middle of the night where I woke up, like, I'm sorry that this is gross and graphic, but like I woke up because I was already vomiting and I woke up Blake and I was like trying to run to the bathroom. And I just remember feeling just like mortified that he had to like clean my vomit up off the floor (laughs) because I didn't even have the strength to do it. I just like had to go make it to the toilet and then like fall in bed because I was so tired and so weak. And so... Finally, our insurance comes through, and we go to my first appointment, and everything seemed okay. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm just, who knows? Mm-hmm. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's, maybe everything's fine. Maybe I'm wrong. I wanted so badly to believe that I was wrong. But we, well, I started to have pain, like, up under my rib cage. And I was at the mall with one of my friends in Lane, and every other step that I took, it was like every time I stepped forward with my right foot, it oh. was like somebody pinched me. And I it was kind of dull, but it was just annoying. Right. And I remember telling her, like, oh, something hurts, and I don't know what it is. And she was like, oh, that's weird, but it was okay. And then the next day, I went to um, Holiday Park with my mom and Lane, and we were trying to, like, play around in the little indoor space and I just felt real I just kept feeling worse and worse mm. and I didn't look good my mom was like you don't seem like you look good and I was like I don't feel good and we went to my favorite restaurant which at the time was Illinois Street Emporium and I couldn't even eat my food and because wow. I just felt so sick and my mom was like what's wrong you're not eating your favorite right. food why are you not and how this- far along were you at this point at this point, I was about, I think I was about 14 weeks along. Okay. And the week before, my ankles had started to swell. And I had, had really bad swelling with my first pregnancy later on. And so I was like, oh, it's just early. It's just, this is just part of it. And right. my mom, she's a nurse. And she was like, that's not, that's not normal. Right. You should not be swelling at 14 weeks or at 12 weeks at that point. Right. Or 13 weeks. I don't remember. She was like, that's not that shouldn't be happening. That's concerning to me. And I was like, oh, it's probably fine. You're just worried, whatever. Sorry. You're speaking um, mom. <laughs> right? Come on, mom. Just back off. But then we, then I started to feel even worse. And I don't know why. I just was like, one of those moments when we're sitting at this restaurant eating, we were outside. And I don't even know why this sticks with me still so much, but a bird pooped on my head. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And I was like, I just was like, what is on my head? And I wiped it off and saw it on my hand. And I was like, man, uh, I don't even feel good. And then stupid bird poops on my head. Oh, my like, gosh. I just can't even catch a break today. Right. I couldn't even eat <laughs> um, my favorite food. Yeah, right? I could. I just was feeling like it was just a weird moment. Yeah. And I just am in more and more in, am in pain. So I call the doctor. And it's the weekend, of course. So it's not my doctor that's on call. It's somebody else. And I was like, my feet are swollen. I don't feel good. Like, and I was crying because I couldn't 
Mm. I was in so much pain. And she's like, it is physically impossible for you to be experiencing these problems because of your pregnancy. You're not far enough along. Right. You just need to go to immediate care or the ER. And I was like, no, I know that this is related to my pregnancy. Right. I, <clears throat> there's something like, throw me a bone, help me right. out here. And, um, she just told us to call my doctor on Monday morning. So I was like, okay, fine. I, I'm not going to go to the immediate care doubled over in pain. That's just not going to happen. Right. And I didn't want to go to the ER either. I was like, I have an appointment. I had an appointment the following week. And so I was like, I'm just going to wait for that. So Blake gets home, sees how, like, how bad I look and my condition is not good. And he calls my mom and she comes over with her, like, blood pressure cuff and thermometer and stethoscope and all of her nurse gear. And she's like, you just sleep. You both just sleep. I'm going to come in here every half hour, every hour and I'm going to take your blood pressure. And my blood pressure was high. See, it was like, call the doctor back. Let them know your blood pressure is high. So I called her back and she was like, it's not because you're pregnant. Just go to the ER for immediate care. I can't help you. And I'm not just going to go to the ER. Anyway, I probably should have, but I didn't. So Monday rolls around, which, by the way, is my birthday. Called my doctor. They wanted me to show up, of course. And... I dropped Lane off with my mom and then drove myself to the doctor's office. And they were like, why didn't you call over the weekend? We would have had you come in. And I was like, I did call over the weekend and they told me not to come in. (laughs) They told me to go see somebody else. And they were like, oh, okay. That's weird. Um, They're like, we're going to run some tests. And they thought I had a hyperthyroidism. Okay. Because my... I met all the criteria. They're like, we think this is what you have. We think this is the problem. Pregnancy and hyperthyroidism. So ran a thousand tests. And only one person that day was like, while she was registering me, she was like, and when is your birthday? And I was like, April 23rd. And she was like, that's today. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) She's like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry that you're here getting tests run on your birthday. And I was like, and so they took all my blood and then they sent me home with something I don't even remember and they were like come back tomorrow and I was like well I have an appointment on Thursday they're like that's too long come back tomorrow Mm. and I was like okay so I came back and they're like okay your levels are through the roof they're hundreds of times higher than what they should be and we're going to put you on this medication for hyperthyroidism we still think that might be what it is, but we're going to dig deeper. And this medication at the time, they didn't know if it was safe for pregnancy or not, but they were like, we have to do something. And this is the one that we need to use. So that was nerve wracking. I'm just wondering like, what, what is happening? Why are they doing this? And I finally come in for my appointment on Thursday and it was so surreal. It was like, like when you see those shows on TV and, it's in the doctor's office and everybody is in a tizzy and running around and trying yes. to like get sucked on. That's exactly what it felt like as we walked in and the, the nurse looked at me and was like, Hey, Dr. Starr wants to run an ultrasound and see, she, we think there might be something wrong with your placenta. So meet him in the ultrasound room. And I, I, I'm sure not everybody was focused on like what was happening with me at that moment, but that's mm-hmm. exactly what it felt like. It was so weird. So we go back to the ultrasound room and my doctor is, who's normally very chill and level-headed, he was, like, frazzled. Oh, wow. And he was, like, 
Lindsay, I don't know what to tell you. I think that your life is at stake. He's, and I, that floored me. I was like, wait, what? He goes, your pregnancy is probably not viable and you might, you might lose your life as well. And I was like, hold on. Yeah. Up to this point, I knew I was going to lose this baby, but I had no idea that I was like maybe dying. Right. And he's like, obviously, obviously we want your baby to live, but you're my patient. You're my first priority. And I'm, I need to save your life. And I was like, what are we talking about right now? So he said, we're going to look on the ultrasound, see what's happening. And he's like, I don't know a ton about what the placenta is supposed to look like on the ultrasound. Because I'm not an ultrasound tech, but I, I know enough to know what is normal, what right. looks abnormal. Right. So we looked at it and he's like, it looks like your placenta is kind of large. I'm not sure. I've scheduled an appointment with you with an MFM doctor um, at the North Campus. Excuse me, which MFM is maternal fetal medicine. He's like, he's a specialist. This is what he does. Is he deals with like specialty cases. He said, I don't like a lot of the people in this field, but I do really like this doctor. I trust him and I trust that you're going to be in good hands with him. So you're going to go see him today. So leave this office and go there. And I was like, okay. I was so confused. So we leave that office and we go to the North office and it was just so unreal. And we walk in to get another ultrasound, and he says he's going to perform an amniocentesis and a CVS, which I can't even, something with genetics and the other things, right. I don't remember what they're for. Yeah. But basically, they stick a massive needle into your stomach to pull out amniotic fluid. And I don't remember what the other test is, but it was awful. I can't believe how people do that, like, Ugh. just off to do that because it right. was so terrible yeah. and it it can hurt the baby and I couldn't even like look at the ultrasound screen when it was happening like from the corner of my eye I could see the baby mm. wiggling with oh when the gosh. needle was poking around and I was like I just can't like this hurts me so bad but my poor baby is right. like it looks like it's hurting this baby anytime the needle would come near he would like squirm away Ugh. like swim away and it broke my heart, but I knew that, like, that gave us information that we needed right. to know to move forward. And by the way that the doctor was looking at me, I could tell that something was wrong. I could go home and die that night. Yeah. And my mom was with us and Blake, and neither one of them could see that in his face. But he was, like, begging me mm-hmm. with his eyes to please do something now. But... He said, I think he said we might need to terminate the pregnancy. And for me, like, that's not what we do. Right. And I was like, I can't, I can't terminate the pregnancy. What does that mean? What does that even look like? Right. That's scary in and of itself. But he looked me straight in the eye and was like, if you don't do something, and I mean soon, your life is going to be on the line. Mm. And he's like, I know we have different worldviews. I know that we see things differently. I don't know what you believe. You don't know what I believe. But we need to take care of this soon. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're in danger. And I was like, it was just so much to take in all right. at once. Because you had like, Lane oh, at home. You were a mom to yeah. Lane and you yeah, were a and wife. Point, and yeah. Yeah. At this point, she was like 10 months old, I think. Mm-hmm. And everything is so blurry. And because I was so sick, I don't, re- there's so many details, yeah. specific details that I don't remember because yeah. I was just too sick to remember them. So anyway, they send us home. I can't even like, I have a five pound weight limit 
so I can't even pick up Lane. And the nurse, said, I, maybe I said this, I don't know, but the nurse told me she's never seen him do both of those tests on anybody at the same time ever. Wow. And I was like, this is a specialist office and they're doing this test on me, like these two tests at the same time. And that's never happened before. Is right. that what you're telling me? Right. Like, what is going on? And, and he did. He told me, get this. You have a partial molar pregnancy mm. that's crazy. with an existing twin. So you have a, mo- a molar pregnancy, but then there's also this baby. Mm. He's like, it's so rare. It almost never happens. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even know what it is, even in, within our field. And I was like, what? I've never even heard, like I've heard right. of a molar pregnancy, but what's, what's a partial? What? Yeah. Right. It's so weird. And so they sent me home and I don't know, days had passed. I don't know how many, but we called in another specialist who he goes to church with my brother and sister-in-law and he's an MFM specialist and he took our insurance and he agreed to open his office early to see me. Mm-hmm. And so he loves the Lord and he's on the same page as us as far as all of that goes. And he did an even more in-depth ultrasound. And the w- news that he gave us was even worse than the first news we had gotten. Wow. And he just showed us like all the things that were wrong with, we named, we named him Judah, our baby. And his lung was collapsed. He had fluid on his brain. His heart was malformed. Mm. And there's just was like so many things that were not viable with life with our baby. Mm. And he finally just looked us in the eye and was like, you need to call your doctor today. You need to deliver this baby. He said, you're not terminating the pregnancy. You're not aborting the baby. You're delivering the baby. This is one of those few rare times where if you do not deliver this baby and you are no longer pregnant you're going to end up in the er because of something he's like not because of something small like high blood pressure right it's going to be because you've stroked or because you've had an aneurysm or your lung collapse or you can't stop seizing he's like it's going to be bad and you might not make it Mm. you probably won't and up until that point blake had been so resistant to the idea of doing anything with the baby understandably and I, I couldn't do that to him I couldn't just say well sorry I'm gonna have the baby and you have no say in it mm-hmm. I just couldn't have that hanging over my head the rest of my life and so I just prayed and just trusted that the Lord would like give the doctors the words to say to get like where he needed to go right and so we had our results in our we had our preliminary results in and he had triploidy or I forget the name, but he has three sets of chromosomes, essentially. Right. And which is any baby that makes it to the world and has that, they don't live very long. Right. And like, I think the baby that lived the longest was like 18 weeks old, maybe, mm-hmm. or something like that. But then on top of the three sets of chromosomes, he had all these other health problems that just were not compatible with life. And Dr. Harry told us that. He said, your baby has 0% chance of survival outside of the womb. He's not mm. going to make it. So now, like, you need to save your life. Right. And he, so he's sent us to another room. He's like, you look terrible. You can't leave until we run some vitals on you. But you call your doctor today. Go home and call your doctor. And we're like, okay. And Blake was still so hesitant because he just, he just had this unwavering faith that some miracle was going to happen. Right. And 
he was like, just pray with me that a miracle happens. And I had already come to this place where I was like, I can't, I have to accept the fact that we're going to lose the baby. Mm-hmm. And now I have to fight for me. He just couldn't, it was just too much. And it is, it's so much to take in all at once. Yeah. And so my doctor ended up calling us that day and he's like, Hey, just got off the phone with Dr. Harry. And they turns out they had done their residency together. They knew each other and mm-hmm. were like buddies back in the day, which is so funny. But He's like, I just got off the phone with him. It's really good that you sought a second opinion. That's a lot to take in. I'm so glad that you talked to somebody else. I heard he reiterated what everybody was saying. Right. He told me, you have to come in today. He said, pack your bags. Come now. Don't wait. And so it was just kind of like somebody pulled the trigger. Right. And I, it was like an answer to prayer. So we get there and Blake pulls me aside and was like, okay, so we're still agreeing though, right? That like, we're not going to do anything until that he was one to wait for the final results to come right, in before right. we did anything. And it was only going to be a couple of days. But then we got upstairs and my doctor looked at him and he's like, Blake, you don't have a couple of days. Lindsay does not have a couple of days. We have to start this process now. Mm-hmm. He said the preliminary results tell us, it, are telling us exactly what the final results are going to tell us. And mm-hmm. that's that you need to act now. Right. He's like, save your wife you need to do this. And I was like, thank you. Jesus. Yeah. And so the whole time I'm there, they're like, I was freezing cold. I was shaking. I was quiet. And one of the nurses looked at me and was, she was like, you seem like you're doing considerably well for somebody who's in your position. And I, it makes me cry like almost every time I say it. Yeah. I just like shrugged my shoulders and I was like, I'm trying. And she looked me dead in the eye and she goes, oh, honey, you don't have to try and do anything. And it was like the first time somebody had given me permission to not try to hold myself up anymore. Right. And it was the first time that I was like, oh, maybe I don't have to be strong or right. hold everybody else up. Maybe I right. can just let myself fall a little bit. Mm-hmm. And. It, it was just a terrible night and driving there felt like we were driving to death row. Yeah. And, um, they did, they had to run the test on my lungs, like the, the x-ray right. on my lungs right. to see if anything was there. And I remember like I hadn't delivered Judy yet, but they still put all like the protective gear right. over my belly and everything. And yeah. I was just, I just remember thinking like, who cares? What's the point at this point? Like this baby's going to die anyway. Right. Shortly. So why even, I just remember like almost being angry at mm-hmm. that point thinking like, well, why? Like, it was almost like a, a joke. Like somebody was laughing in my face. Like, right. baby's going to die anyway. Here soon. But like, we're going to do this anyway. Right. And um, they told, they sat us down and told us like, okay, we're going to start the medicine tonight to induce labor. You're, it might be a few days. But it can take up to four days for the medicine to kick in. And I just remember thinking like, what am I supposed to do here for four days? Feeling awful, fighting for my life, waiting to deliver my baby. That I think that could is still the, be alive. Yeah, I think that is the worst feeling. Like, I just remember for me those two days waiting. Like, I'm like, what? Yeah. This is like immoral. Like, I felt like it was just like I don't know. I don't know. It's the it's the worst. Yeah, and and not knowing, you know, they told us like he might still be alive when he's born try and how he might try to breathe but there's nothing we can do for him mm. there's nothing we can do we just have to wait for him to pass and that was just too much for me yeah. and yeah. so I just like was like like please just pray for me like pray with me that this baby dies before he enters the world 
yeah. because I can't, I cannot sit there and watch for hours mm. while he struggles to breathe and then dies. Like I can't, I can't do that. And this is the one thing that I'm asking. Like, right. I can't, I can't handle that. That's, that's beyond my threshold. Right. And I'm, I'm at, I'm at my limit. Yeah. And <laughs> so they told us like, okay, we, we've just inserted the medicine you're not going to feel anything tonight. It, it'll be tomorrow when you maybe start to feel something after we've done another dose or two. Had that feeling. And I called her and she was like, well, okay, that's probably not what it is, but I'll check. And then they could see the sack right there. Oh, wow. And I was like, I don't like, I think I'm going to have this baby soon. And they're like, well, don't expect that. That's not how it's going to happen. But we'll call the doctor and have him come in. So he comes in and he's like, yeah, no, that is, that's the fact she's going to be delivering the baby soon. Like, I don't even think it was a couple hours later. I had delivered him and he was stillborn, mm. which I was so grateful. But when I delivered him, it was, I lost 30 pounds of fluid and I was put on like brick bed rest. Mm. Like my doctor was like, sit down on the couch. Don't have the lights too bright and you can watch TV, but it can't be anything stressful. Because my blood pressure was so high, and technically I had preeclampsia, but preeclampsia you have to be past like twenty weeks or later. Right. And they they said like the earliest we've seen preeclampsia was at eighteen weeks, but you're at I was at sixteen weeks when they diagnosed it as preeclampsia. They're like that's just like that doesn't even fit with the classification of preeclampsia. Anyway, so we had his funeral. So many people showed up, and it was so beautiful. Mm. And they we had him buried in like a children's section at a local cemetery and they actually didn't even have any spots open. Like it was closed. Oh, I don't wow. know who came through for us, but somebody came through and they're like, we're going to, we're going to make a spot for him because it's, it's just that important that we do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was our grief nurse. I think she's the one who really like pulled through and was like, tried to get that for us. Right. So it was just a weird time. It took me a long time to recover physically and emotionally and our marriage was not good at that point Mm -hmm. in time and it was the first time that I really saw like realized how people can how married couples can lose a child and then end up divorced yeah it was the first time I had seen like oh this is why this happens I get it now yeah because we're grieving in two totally different ways We, we couldn't even talk about it without fighting yeah like if we started to talk about Judah it ended up in a screaming match and we weren't screaming that type of people normally before that and that's just how it went and it was like that for like two years before we were able to like work it out and talk Mm -hmm. it out and just be okay with each other again yeah yeah Yeah. and I had I had another baby in that time Reagan she's our rainbow baby and it's like it was after she was born that we finally had this like heart to heart that where we were both ready to talk about it and Wow. And as it turned out, like Blake thought it was his fault because it had something to do with the sperm. Yes. And I was like, yes. you have no control, yeah. literally no control over that. Yeah. But I had thought like, I'm so sorry that you married me and that yeah. because you married me, you had to go through this horrible life altering right. thing. Right. And, and just, um, and just for our listeners, you know, a partial <laughs> molar is, when two sperms fertilize one egg. So then the yeah. the baby has double chromosomes and mm-hmm. um, it can look completely normal on the ultrasound and you not, you know, not know anything that's going on. But um, yeah. yeah, I think Adam kind of 
you know, that was kind of in the back of his mind too. Cause he was like, mm-hmm. well, it, this is because of me, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. So, yeah. um, it yeah. can easily, you know, tear someone apart, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a crazy weird thing. Um, so yeah, we finally like started to heal our marriage from that and then started to heal our hearts too. And I had no problems with when I was pregnant with Reagan. I was excited. I was happy. I knew nothing was wrong. I had no bad feelings or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then when she was born, I experienced that same thing like you did with Henley, like you shared last week. Yeah. Of like I unexpected waves of grief. Yes. And I just remember like texting my friends and being like, I need you to pray for me right now because mm-hmm. I, nobody, nobody told me about Like I was almost angry and upset because right. I was like, nobody told me about this. Nobody told me to expect this. Right. I was expecting to feel only excitement and yeah. only joy. Mm. But when I look at her, I see I should have had this with Judah. Right. This should have, that should not have been taken away from me. And it was. Mm-hmm. And it was like experiencing that grief fresh and new and in a whole new light and a whole new perspective. And it is confusing. It's so confusing. <laughs> it's, and like you said, no one prepared. Like you would never think that you would grieve yeah. in that moment. You would never. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, people don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, like, I have to tell people, I have to warn people mm-hmm. to expect this so that way they're not knocked off their feet mm-hmm. with guilt and shame and fear and confusion. Right, right. And not that it'll happen for everyone, but it's still, right. like, it's still something that could happen. And people just, you know, I think I, not that I, maybe I wouldn't have been more prepared, but at least I would have been mm-hmm. like, to watch out for it, you know, and maybe have things in place to where, you know, I can kind of (laughs) redirect everything, but yeah. Right. Right. Or just so that I can know like, Oh, it's not me. Right. You don't feel crazy. It's a normal emotion to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And to not feel so alone or so singled out or like, Mm. am I a bad mom? Right. Because I'm feeling sad right now. Yeah. But to know like, no, no, no. Other moms have felt this too. It's Mm. okay. Right. And, so that was hard and weird and confusing. Um, but then we got pregnant again with Eleanor, and she's my five-year-old. And I was a nervous wreck the whole pregnancy because my mind was, had a baby, lost a baby, had a baby, now I'm going to lose a baby. Oh, wow. And so I was just nervous the whole time. I swore up and down something was going to happen during my pregnancy. And nothing did. Everything was fine. I had her. And then once I had her, I was like, all right, now she's going to die. Like, that mm-hmm. was just my thought process was, like, I had her. It's some cruel joke, and mm-hmm. she's going to be taken away from me. And she did have some, like, weird medical things that we, like, we thought she was having seizures, and she had to be tested for that. And she had hip dysplasia, which is not, like, a huge deal. It was fixed right, right away. But, like, we, but in, with my fears that I was having, it was, like, oh, my gosh, we were at Riley Hospital, like, kind of a lot for the first nine months of her life because Mm -hmm. she had these like things that she had to be tested for treated for and I was like this is it it's coming only thing ever came obviously and so we decided like let's try one more time let's just let's do this one more time maybe we'll have a boy maybe we won't and when I was in the hospital after having Judah I was so drugged up and so out of it and I remember almost nothing Mm -hmm. but I do specifically remember having this like vision of our family sitting under a tree in the fall 
and this little boy running towards me and I knew that he was mine. I just felt like that was God promising me. Mm-hmm. I am going to give you a son. I cold tight. It's going to be okay. You will have your son. Because that's what, like, when I first found out that Judah was a boy, I was like, that was it. That was my only chance at a boy. And I really wanted a boy. And I was thrilled to have a girl. But I was like, I have a girl now. I would love to have a boy. Right. And I just thought, well, that was it. I lost it. I lost my only boy. And then it's just like God gave me that glimmer of hope. So I got pregnant. And I was hungry all the time. Like, ravenous all the time. (laughs) And I was eating three times what I would normally eat. And then I would stop. But not because I was full. It was just because I was like, I've never eaten this much food in my life. I should probably stop now. Right. <laughs> and I was starting to sew early. And I was like, it's probably because I'm eating so dang much. But I was starting to sew. And one of my friends was like, I bet it's twins. And I was like, it's not twins. They don't run in my family. There's no yeah. way. I don't. I really don't think it is. So we go to our first ultrasound. And all of our three girls are in the room with us. And the ultrasound tech goes, all right, here's a baby. And here's a baby. You're having twins. And oh we're like, my gosh. What? We're like, there's no way we're having twins. And Lane, who is, I don't know, six at the time, probably, she was like, Mom, how are we going to do that? How are we going to have two babies? <laughs> You're going to have five kids. And I was like, I don't know, but we'll figure it out. Right. And we were just floored. And we knew, like, from that moment that they were boys. We just knew that they were boys. And we were like, this is it. This is God's redemption plan for our family. Like he gives and he takes away. And this mm-hmm. is him giving. He's doubling down on his promises because he's giving us two boys when we lost the one. Mm-hmm. And we were so confident and so certain that this was just God's redemption story for us. And But we were like floored. Right. We had plans for after the appointment, but we <laughs> didn't, we canceled them. And I think Blake's mom took the girls. And we just went and we sat in a parking lot and sat in the car quietly. And every now and then one of us would be like, oh, my gosh. We're having twins. What the heck? <laughs> what is going on? It was so weird. And then we called, like, our friends to let them know. And some of them thought that we were just joking until we showed them the ultrasound picture. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. God is fulfilling its promises. This is amazing. Well, I was, let's see, nine weeks at that point, maybe. And a few weeks later, I went in. And I had had a dream the night before that we couldn't find one of the heartbeats. Mm. And so I, my doctor with every pregnancy, he's amazing. He was like, I know your history. I know you've had loss. If you ever even have a bad dream and want to come in and look at the baby, like call us, we'll get you in right away. We'll do an ultrasound. We'll make sure everything is fine. I just want you to feel like safe reassured during this pregnancy. And so I was like, okay, so I went in and he pulled in the ultrasound machine or he pulled out the Doppler and was like, well, I hear one baby. The other one's probably just right behind him. And I was like, okay, well, I had this dream last night that we could only find one heartbeat and we had lost the other baby. Can you please pull in the ultrasound machine? He's like, oh yeah, absolutely. Of course I'll go grab it. So he pulled that in. He found both heartbeats right away. And he was like, those are boys. (laughs) We were like, and it was like obvious, like, right. oh, these are definitely boys. And we were so excited. And I was 12 weeks along at that point. And the following Monday, I had an appointment with the MSM doctor because twins are just naturally high risk. 
and it was the week of Thanksgiving and Blake normally takes that week off and we just like do fun family things together all week. It's the only week of the whole year that I actually like really actually takes off of work. And um, we were so excited, but we had just had to get this appointment out of the way and they were going to talk about like any complications with us. It was going to be kind of a heavy appointment. So I was just like ready to get in, see the boys, hear what we need to hear and then leave and then have a really fun week. So we go into this office and it was the first time I had been in this office since we had gotten the news about Judah. And so that was hard anyway. So we get back there, the ultrasound tech, the other thing, and it looks like they were like in a bunk bed, like one was on top of the other and they looked so cute in there. And she was like, yep, they're definitely boys. And then she goes, I'll be right back. I have to get the doctor really fast. And I had no, like, I had no clue what was going on. I was just like in my own happy little mom. I'm having twins world. Right. And the doctor comes in, this woman that I don't know, that I've never seen before in my life. And she sits at the foot of the bed, puts her hand on my leg and goes, I'm so sorry. Mm. There's not, there are no heartbeats. And I was, but when she walked in, I felt so stupid because I was like, it looks like they're in bunk beds. It's just a sign of what's to come. I can't, I'm so excited. (sighs) I can't wait. And then she sits down and tells me, I'm sorry. There's no heartbeat. And I just watched it. Because I was not expecting it. Like with Judah, I knew. Right. And this time it was like, I just had no idea that that was coming for me. I felt fine. And like my morning sickness was gone. And the day after my previous appointment, I thought I had felt really, really, really off. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just because I had gotten my tech. And I was like, it's fine. Like I just got my tech. And then the next morning I woke up and my morning sickness was gone. And I was like, finally, for the first time in my life, my morning sickness is gone right when it's supposed to be. Right. I, I think that that's when I had, I had miscarried. And that's why my morning sickness was gone is because mm. I, I think I had lost them that day that I felt really weird and off. So I just, I was like uncon- uncontrollably like a mess. It was totally different from the first time, like where I was silent and trying to process the first time. This time I just like threw my hands on my face and bawled. Right. And I just, I couldn't stop. And um, I just thought, I just was so mad at God mm. because I was like, you promised me this. And this was supposed to be our redemption story. And you already took a boy from me. How dare you take two more? Mm. And how dare you let me get this far? How dare you let me make it my second trimester before I lose them? How dare you? You gave me so much hope and then you took it away. Mm. And um, they just asked, like, do you want to go see your doctor? And I was like, yes, I want to go see my doctor. He can comfort me. So yeah. please just send me to Bring my doctor. Him. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so we walked down the hall because it was just down the hall from his office and opened the door and it was like, it just seemed like there were more pregnant moms in there than normal mm. and their bellies were all full and some of them had newborns. And I just thought, gosh, I wish I was them. Yeah. I wish I wasn't me right now. And I wish I was here to hear good news. Mm. And I just cried the whole time I was filling out my paperwork and I couldn't even like talk to anybody because I was so broken and so hopeless. And I get into the office and my doctor's like, Lindsay, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what happened. He's like, you had that dream. It was so weird. We checked. They were both fine. Their heart rates were fine. He said, I have no idea what happened. I, I'm so sorry. I can't imagine what you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you can run tests if you want to. And I was like, who cares? Like, 
I don't care. Like I lost the babies and that's, I don't want to spend money figuring out what or why. Like all I know is that I lost the babies and, um, he was like, you can go home and you can deliver naturally if you would like. Um, or you can opt to have a DNC. And I was like, I've done that already. I already delivered a dead baby once in my life. And that was more than enough. Right. I don't, I don't want to do that two more times. And with twins, like you can have one and then several days later have the other. And I was like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't just go home mm. and deliver dead babies. That's just not, not for me. Right. I can't do that again. And so he's like, that's totally fine. I totally understand. And I had turned to Blake and I was like, babe, I'm sorry. Like, I'm calling with Doss on this one mm-hmm. and I'm not delivering them. And he's like, you do what you need to do. He's like, I can't imagine that happening at home. And I was like, thank you. So the doctor comes back in the room and I let him know I'm going to have it and see like now, if possible, can we go do it now? And he's like, well, we can't do it now, but I'm going to get you in first thing in the morning. He's like, yeah, I don't want you to have to wait. And also, like, it was like a Thanksgiving. The last thing I wanted on thanks- at Thanksgiving dinner was to go into labor Ugh. and then to bleed all over the place. Like, that's just not what right. I wanted to remember on Thanksgiving. Right. Thanksgiving is, like, one of my favorite days of the whole year, and that was not what I wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. So my doctor slits me the pills, and he's like, if you go into labor, he said, especially with twins, you can bleed a lot. He said, this will slow the bleeding. Take this if you go into labor. And I was like, okay. And then he slipped me a cell phone number too. He's like, call me if you need anything at all. I will answer right away. Wow. And I was like, thank you so much. Yeah. So we went home and like, it's like you said last week, like, what do you do? What do you do? I when, know. It's you know, the you weirdest, have a dead baby in your stomach. It's the weirdest feeling. And I would never wish that on anybody. And it's just, no. it's so, yeah, it's just so it, surreal. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a terrible thinking mm-hmm. feeling, just knowing that like you're carrying a dead body inside of mm-hmm. your own body. It's just so there's no words really to describe no. uh-uh. what it feels like. But all I wanted to do was go home and sit on the couch with my babies and watch a Christmas movie. But like the dread of having to tell them that their brothers had died was like overwhelming. And they they took it better than we thought they would. Took longer processing it, right? And and still to this day. Don't tell my mommy I miss my brother so much. I wish I could have met them. That's really hard. They shouldn't have to know that pain. That's no. okay. Sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. It's it's hard. It's hard when you know you have kids at home too, and you're trying to process and grieve, and you know they're excited about having an you know another baby, and then you I, mean I. It's hard for us to process. I can't even imagine what it's what it's like for them. Yeah, they say things all the time like what would it be like if there were seven of us instead mm-hmm. of four mm-hmm. and I just um, I wonder too you know I wonder what it would be like and we try to have those we try to leave the table open for those conversations um, yeah. and, and it's not it's not something that I ever wanted to hide from them but like I want our kids to know about their siblings and I want our kids to be able to learn how to process that and then also to know that like it's not as uncommon as you think right and hope I mean I hope and pray that they never ever ever have to experience this right but I want them to know like if they do like it's not it's not uncommon and it is hard and Mm -hmm. you can walk through it and there is hope on the other side Mm -hmm. I went to have the DNC the next day and it was heartbreaking and so bizarre and so weird it was just so weird driving to the same hospital 
knowing we had the same fate. I mean, it felt, I mean, it didn't feel as much like death row as it did the first time, but it yeah. still felt like it was at, at this point, it was like, here we go again, doing this again. And, um, we got there and I had them check again just to make sure. I was like, I just would hate that with and without being 100,000% sure. Yeah. And my doctor was like, I, I'm so sorry, Lindsay, there's still no heartbeats. And he's like, I don't blame you for wanting to double check. That right. makes sense. I'm glad we checked, but they're, they're definitely gone. So it's like, okay. And uh, they, mine was a little bit different than yours. They rolled me back and had me climb on the table and then did the anesthesia. So mm. I do remember all of that part. But I did. I I think I asked the nurse to hold my hand. Um, either that or she offered to hold my hand, and everybody was very kind and considerate. And um, but it, it was so scary. It was just so scary laying on that table, looking up at that big light, thinking like, after this, I'm not gonna be pregnant anymore. Like this is it. This is yeah. Saying goodbye to my boys, and yeah. for the last time. And mm-hmm. it's just a, such a weird. It is. Sensation. Yeah. I, it's just nobody should ever have to do that. No. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was done, <laughs> I was crying when I woke up and I asked the anesthesiologist to hug me. <laughs> and she was so kind. She was just so kind. She's like, oh, honey, of course. And she gave me a big hug. And then they wheeled me back to the room. And I don't remember any of it we were back there for a long time I guess before I like came to mm-hmm. um and then my recovery was like it just was not very good I my cramps were just as bad as like labor pains right. and I couldn't talk through them and I wasn't anticipating that and mm-hmm. yeah I remember um, afterwards like that day still cramping, yeah. <clears throat> but so bad yeah 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 it, it was just crazy and mm-hmm. thankfully Blake had already taken that week off of work <laughs> and my sisters my sweet sisters they put together like a little holiday gift basket for me so that I could have things to do like sitting down and, like mm-hmm. I know this week is gonna look different for you than normal but we want you to have something oh. I am feeling all the feel today <laughs> <laughs> you're totally fine this is a space for that <laughs> it is oh anyway so that whole time in our lives was like just awful not just because they lost the twins but my favorite aunt was diagnosed with skin cancer mm-hmm. and we were told she had like five or six months to live well then a couple weeks later she passed oh wow and um so that year was heavy the, yeah it was a yeah. big year but the one little thing that gave me hope was that as she was like lying in bed dying she was like Lindsay I cannot wait to get to heaven and play with your baby boys oh wow and that held me together a little bit because I was losing so much but at least I had the comfort of knowing that like they were going to be together anyway it was like that was just one thing but there were so many other things at that time that I kept telling people if one of these things would have happened all by itself alone it would be enough to put me over the edge. Right. But here they are piling one on top of the other. I didn't know a person could have handled so much at one time, except that I was doing it. And it's only by the grace of God that like we made it through that season. Right. It was a, it was a terrible season and it was filled with, with dread and fear 
And one of my friends told me during that time, she's like, you know, a lot of times it gets really dark before it gets it's, really light. Yeah. And she's like, a lot of times when really bad things happen, it's like the, the you know, the dark before the dawn. Like mm-hmm. she said, something big is coming for you guys. And I'm just excited to see what God has for you. It's not going to be like this for forever. Right. And I just clung to that. I just asked everybody that I knew like just pray for me because I am struggling so hard that God loves me and mm-hmm. that he makes good promises for me and has good things for me mm-hmm. and there's a I can't even tell it's in Luke but it says blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has told her will come to pass and I that's been like a life first for me since I was in high school and I just kind of held that verse at arm's length at this point because I was like I it's here I can see it. I'm still holding it, but I'm not clinging to it because I don't know that I can believe it anymore. Wow. And um, it just, it was like that for a while. And then things started to get a little bit better. And then we decided, like, let's try one more time. Let's just get pregnant one more time and see what happens. If it's a girl, that's awesome. We'll adopt a boy. But let's just try one more time for a boy. So I got pregnant and um, it was a weird pregnancy. It was like, I was excited and I was happy, but I cried every time I had an ultrasound. Yeah. And I was like, I almost couldn't even enjoy my pregnancy because I was so dang scared the entire mm-hmm. time. And it was a boy. <laughs> we found out. And it was, again, it was like when I was pregnant with Eleanor, when I just thought that I was going to lose her the whole time. That's how it was with Fletcher. And I just told Blake, like, I, like, this is for sure, for sure, for sure my last pregnancy because I can't do this anymore. Like, I cannot be pregnant again and go through this again. I just can't do it. I've, I've done enough. And thankfully he was totally on the same page with me. And I, I just never thought that I would come to that point where I was, where I thought, okay, this is it. I'm done having babies. Like, I always thought that there would be some part of me that was like sad about it, but I was not sad. Yeah. You knew that this was, yeah, your body can't take anymore. This is it. Yeah. So you, I, you what you guys found out it was a boy. How did you process that since, you know, your records show that boys. Yeah. Yeah, No, I just, my thought was, well, Jesus takes my boy. So he's going to take this one too. Mm. Uh, but, But at the same time, I was like, maybe this is God fulfilling that promise to me because he promised me a boy. I had him. He's healthy. He's fine. He's beautiful. He's amazing. And he is the biggest troublemaker on the planet. <laughs> he's so cute. But, <laughs> he's so cute. But even still, like, he's, he's almost three now. And wow. sometimes I still have that thought, like, when he gets really sick. Like, he just oh, had a group yeah. recently. And I was like, maybe this is it. God takes my boys. Yeah. And I still have to fight that that Enemy's fear voice, and that lie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because... In the same breath, God also promised me a boy, and now I have him. So it's still it's it's not a battle that I fight as constantly as I did, but it's definitely still there, and that that thought still comes up sometimes, mm-hmm. and I still have to push it back down because that's that's just that's not how God works, right? Exactly, and that's not who He yeah, is, right? And I need to remind myself of that sometimes, of like that's not that's not God's character. Right. He doesn't just 
mercilessly take things away for us and right. then laugh about it. That's, right. that, that's the that's, opposite yeah. of who he is. Yeah. So fighting that is still, but like, it's just not something that goes away. And I expected mm-hmm. it to, but. So what would be, yeah. what would be one thing if you could tell your old self pre grieving something now, now that you've been through all of this, what, what would be mm-hmm. something that you would tell either your old self or just someone um, who is just the beginning of a journey like this? I think for me, I would say to let yourself grieve mm-hmm. because with dude, I just didn't. And there were a lot of reasons for that, but I just didn't let myself grieve. And I feel like that made it harder and it made that, it made the healing process so much longer. Whereas with the twins, I had been there and I had done that and I knew what to expect. And so I let myself, like I let myself go. I let myself grieve and mm-hmm. cause it was just as painful and maybe even more so because I had lost two instead of one. It was the healing process was easier. I was able to let myself start to heal because I had to let myself grieve and grieving is part of healing. Right. And everyone's grief looks different. So what was, it does. what was something intentional that you did or what was, when you say you let yourself grieved, what did that look like? I just let myself cry about it. That was the biggest thing was I just let myself cry and I let myself cry when I needed to. And it didn't matter who was there or what I was doing, wow. which is a huge deal for me. Yeah. Normally I'm like, I'm just going to save it away and then I'll right, go cry I'm... the bathroom for later, which doesn't work that way. Yeah. I can't just cry on command. And, you know, when I would go to the bathroom and try to cry later, it was like, well, I don't feel like crying now. I don't need right. to now. The moment's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing your story and just sharing your heart. And I just can't even imagine walking that road. And, um, yeah, so thank you just for opening up and just sharing little pieces um, of your boys' life huh. and um, yeah. everything. So. Um, I think next week we're going to talk about how our stories came together. Um, yeah. And we'll wrap up January and then February. I'm super excited about. So thank you again, yeah, Lindsay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for joining us today on the Yet We Thrive podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and take a screenshot to share on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Yet We Thrive or at YetWeThrive.com. If our podcast has impacted you at all, we would so appreciate if you would take a couple of moments to leave a review. These things will help us to share the word and keep on thriving. Until next time.